And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. You will rest in peace. Basketballs don't hold grudges. He got a bicycle. Welcome to the WrestleCube. Cube. Uh, my name's Tom Mimner. And I'm Daniel Triangle Akimbola. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> Something's wrong I'm just, there. I'm mixing stuff up. I'm trying, I'm workshopping some new material. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, this isn't the time. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is very much the time. I'm taking us uh, to bold new heights, Thomas. <laughs> I mean, as long as they're they're uh, cube shaped heights, that's fine. Well, you know, triangles a type of cube. Think about it. Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, my name's Tom Mimner. Yep, Daniel the Cube Akinbola. You got some uh, some good thumping going on there. Oh yeah, thumping, there's thumping a, base. upstairs. Is a they're doing the old kitchen. The, the flat upstairs to mine. So yay! I hope uh, I hope our audience, um, our wives, uh, enjoy listening to <laughs> people doing the kitchen upstairs. So. You say our wives? You mean your wife? My wife? Yeah. Listening to this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like five minutes of my wife's time. Yeah, <laughs> just enough so she can say she's listened to it. Oh uh, yeah, it was great. <laughs> well, as long as she listens to that bit where she hears the impression you just did of her, that's fine. Exactly. <laughs> Spot on too. How are you? I was like, I'm good, Maine. You know, locked down, down in this lock. Uh, the weather's good though. Uh, I just finished eating a bunch of Vietnamese food, and now I'm tired. Oh, very nice. So, very nice. You know, I had a bagel. It was uh, oh nice, pretty good, pretty good. Bit a bit of a uh, roast beef and some uh, some whole grain mustard. It was very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Was it a homemade bagel or a? Uh, it was a shop bought bagel. bagel. Shop bought oh, bagel okay. uh, that I then toasted and put together with the other other shop bought ingredients. It was okay. It was very satisfactory. Uh, it's good. And then a little bit of pick and mix. Ooh, oh, I, I've given up sweet things for Lent. Oh, so... I, I just gave up chocolate. See, that's that my loophole. Ah, smart, smart. <laughs> yeah, and no, I I went blanket. I even gave up crisps and stuff like that as well. So how's uh, that going? Uh, you know what? It, I've I told myself I can have fruit and nuts, and that's kind of. Made it somewhat bearable. Nature's uh, candy. Nature's candy. <laughs> Nature's candy is not as good as candy's candy. So it's Satan's candy. So uh, I can't wait for it um, to be over. Yeah, no fair, fair, fair. Um, yeah. Um, so uh, we thought. Um, I know we've been doing uh, the King of Cube tournament sort of intermittently over the last few months. I know there's a big gap between these episodes. I know that we have lives. News. Yeah, exactly. We, we have, have lives. lives. And no one pays you know? us. Yes, exactly. We're doing this for fun. So, I mean, yeah. if you are listening to this and you're, you know, annoyed by the, 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 the lag time, I mean, give sorry, but also not sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, give us some money. Or give, give us some or, or give us give, give us some fucking money. <laughs> some motherfucking money, bitch. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, we've really insulted our audience really heavily in this opening <laughs> section, haven't we? I'm so I'm sorry, wife. 
and and maybe Mike. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, so in a break from the King of Cube tournament, we thought we'd have a little chat um, about WCW because it is yes. uh, in the next few weeks, uh, time of recording, we're only days away from the twentieth uh, anniversary of the closure of WCW. The very sad closure oh, in two thousand one. Um, so we're going to have a little chat about WCW, about our experiences, our thoughts, our feelings, uh, memories of, of that uh, particular promotion, which uh, was uh, during a very formative period of both of our lives, was, yeah. was a big influence. So uh, I think that's going to be good fun. Before we get started on that, I just have a couple of things uh, quickly wanted to add. Um, we should probably say thank you to our sponsor, uh, Time Fixers, uh, who are oh, always right. fixing time. Uh <laughs> As as as, uh, as they as they do, um, and uh, if you've got <laughs> that's the 80s cartoon uh, theme tune for them. Time fixers. If you um if you have any uh, you happen to be listening to this and you have any uh, uh, watch based um, issues or that you need fixing, uh, you know, uh, get onto Time Fixers uh, and they will do that for you. Uh, especially if you happen to be in the Brighton and Hove southeast sort of area. Uh, but yeah, Time Fixers. Give, give them a look. Um, it's time. Also, you yeah. can find them on Instagram and whatnot. With there's lots of interesting watch making, fixing things on there. It's it's kind of hypnotic, to be honest. I, I don't isn't know. There a like a, isn't there like an official word for a, like a watch on the time images? Yeah, there you go. Horology, which I always think sounds like something to do with the occult, but because um... it, it, it is Thomas. If you you don't just fix time without communing with the devil, it's so. True. I, just... I, I always hope there was this thing that if you were uh, like as a nice sort of somewhere in the middle, if you were fixing a uh, a uh, you know sort of uh, Friday the Thirteenth uh, <laughs> themed watch, would it be horrorology? Yes, yes, it would, um, Thomas. Yeah, good. Go. <laughs> I really just wanted to get that in some way, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we we uh, um, and the other thing uh, also. Uh, on the off chance he does happen to be listening to this, it's very unlikely. Um, we won't we won't get, say his name on 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 air. But uh, to our friend uh, Mr T, who may be a future podcast uh, uh, guest on here, uh, indeed, congratulations indeed. on the uh, on the birth of his son. Uh, we're very pleased. Yeah. Yes, yes, congratulations, so, um, man. Your loins, they work. Yeah, much 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 oh, love loins. much love to Mr T. Not not yeah, that Mr exactly. T. Uh, I mean, much love oh, to that, Mr. Three. T as well. I've got much love for all the T's. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, a specific Mr. T, not not the famous Mr. T. The Mr. Uh, T. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, you know, anyway, just just congratulations. Anyway, <laughs> we thought we'd throw that out. And this podcast is dedicated uh, to you and your your brand new news. Um, and we're, we're yeah, absolutely delighted for you. Yeah. Um, cool. Right. So, WCW. Um, Daniel, when was the first time you saw WCW? Ah, so first time I saw WCW was probably in the early 90s on ITV, or LWT, I guess, right? Yep. When there used to be two separate channels, which is wild to think about. And uh, it was the old school blue ring, yellow ropes, right? Yep. I believe. Oh, and um, I remember, uh, I think the first match I ever saw was probably had Sting in it. And I just remember thinking, whoa, this dude's awesome. Like, who's this guy? With the the blonde hair and the crazy like face paint, and um, those are like my earliest memories of WCW. Which just I don't really remember any of the storylines or anything like that. I think I was probably too young, uh, but I think my wrestling experience started with WCW before I even knew what WWF was. Um, yeah, uh, what about you, man? I I have a very similar story. Um, 
I um so we had I had got into wrestling through a friend who had Sky uh, when I was at primary school, and this would have been about 1992 or early late 1991 there and thereabouts. So it was you have to yeah. remember that WWF was enormous in this country, uh, and uh, sort of the British wrestling, the you know, your kind of um, world of sport style, uh, had been off air for a couple of years at this point. So really, there was only WWF. And at some point, ITV have obviously made a deal with WCW to broadcast uh, their shows. I believe it was WCW Worldwide, uh, uh, which is kind of their um, their kind of weekly, you know, sort of the, the, the equivalent of Livewire was when WWF picked up <laughs> a few years later. And, um, you know, they're kind of, they're very much their international sea show. Um, but um, it was one of those things that I remember seeing on... My dad knew I was really, really into wrestling and they were showing it on a Saturday afternoon and for a little while they were also showing it at like two o'clock in the morning on Sundays. <laughs> so my dad uh, videotaped this for me at two o'clock in the morning. Um, and I still have that tape somewhere. Um, and it's the first thing I saw. Um, and I remember very, very clearly uh, that there was... Um, God, who was it? Uh, it was on. It was on a tape of uh, that also featured an episode of the Late Late Show, which is an <laughs> Irish, um, an Irish thing that was broadcast on Channel Four for some reason. Uh, uh, that had um, that my dad obviously taped because it had the Dubliners on it. And then um, at the end of it was just on tacked onto it, it was an episode of WCW Worldwide and whatever was on after it, which I believe was uh, this weird cookery program called Get Stuffed at two AM. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did you catch the oh eight nine one fifty fifty? Oh no, I think this predated, but uh, it, very much that that sort of thing. Uh, Party chat, uh, baby. And I think the beginning of an episode of something called McLeod. I'm not oh, even that sure sounds that awesome. Was. That sounds fucking um, awesome. Um, I've still got this tape somewhere. Um, it's, it's I think it's in the loft. Um, but I remember the episode of WW Worldwide really clearly because uh, it had Sting on it. It had Cactus Jack on it. Uh, it had, uh, so obviously this is a point where Ric Flair was in uh, WWF, so uh, it had, I think Barry Windham was on it. Uh, there was a match between uh, Ricky Steamboat and the tailor-made man, Terry Taylor. <laughs> uh, who was, yeah. Good pun. Um, yeah, well, the thing is, he was doing this Million Dollar Man ripoff uh, as the tailor-made man, wearing a very similar suit. He also did a flying forearm that he called a flying five-arm. <laughs> I I love this. Um, I'm, but I, I'm so sad I can't remember this. this is I remember this really clearly because it was um, also, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world that this was announced. They had um, like a, a contender series and I didn't really know what that meant at the time because I was only like seven. Um, hmm. But they had, or, or six even, I think actually. Uh, they had like this contender series and it was sponsored by Nintendo. And oh, for wow. some reason that seemed like the coolest fucking thing in the world. It's because it, it's not some reason, Thomas, it's because it was. Yeah, I mean, it's because it was. I, how the fuck WCW got Nintendo on board? I don't know. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, and um, I just also, I remember they, they had an interview segment with uh, Tony Schiavone uh, when he brought out the newest star of the WCW light heavyweight division, Scotty Flamingo, uh, <laughs> who would go on to be Raven later on. Wow, Scotty Flamingo. Jeez. Yeah. Do you know uh, what? I knew, I knew that Raven was Scotty Flamingo, but when you just said that, the actual memory came flooding back. Was it of him in a like a jean jacket with like a denim jacket with pink tassels? Jeez. Yeah, I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> I literally just remember like, whoa, oh wow, that's weird. It's like you've unlocked some weird door in my brain that, that I'd forced close long ago. Yeah. I mean yeah, it's wow. a, it's a weird thing. Um but yeah, I have this really visceral memory of that. And um yeah, it's it, um 
And I think from then, like Saturday afternoons, I ju- would just watch WCW every week. And yeah. we didn't have Sky until later that year. We we then got cable and I was able to watch uh, some WWF. But like, you know, a lot of it was just an hour a week and a lot of it was just squash matches and whatever. And I don't know, WCW felt a bit more like, uh, my dad would also be much happier to watch it because it felt more like a sport. Yeah. Had a very realistic feel to it, um, which is by design. Even if it was larger than life, I guess it was like cartoon characters and, you know, WCW had that really <laughs> grounded. If I remember correctly, because as a kid, I remember, I feel like the arena seemed so big, but they were kind of like the NWA power zone. They were a bit bigger, but what okay. they've done is, is uh, they had half filled it because they didn't sell out their tapings and then yeah. they just shot from one side. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. In I mean, the same way, you know, TNA would do the same thing years later. <laughs> God, we don't, we don't talk about TNA on this podcast, Thomas, <laughs> God damn it. I, I know, I know, I know, broke the rules. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's very much, um, yeah. Um, it, it, uh, that's, I have a really visceral memory. And as you said, there's, there's something about the colour schemes, the, like, that blue and yellow. Uh, yeah, it it so really cool. is singed into my sort of childhood memories. and. Yeah, I remember we were, I mean, uh, you know, here's a little peek behind the curtain, folks. Uh, me and Daniel went to school together. Uh, mm-hmm. And I remember very clearly uh, when we were probably about 13, probably not actually that long before WCW closed, having yeah. uh, having chats uh, with us and uh, various other people about this this uh, lineup of programming on a Saturday, on a Saturday afternoon on ITV. And which had only, I mean, realistically, had only been like six or seven years earlier. So we we discovered nostalgia very early. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, but yeah, like obviously when you're 13, that seems like an awfully long time. Um, but yeah, like this this discussion about that was on and then there was Airwolf and then there was the A-Team and then obviously oh, yeah, segue yeah. into Blind Date and Gladiators and all that. Um, but we would have conversations about this for hours. I'm not sure how. We obviously did at the time. We didn't have, we didn't have anything else going on. That's why. <laughs> oh, this is true. This is true. This is before smartphones, you know? Yeah. No, we had <laughs> to talk to each other. It wasn't before phones, but it was before any of us could afford them. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah. Or were allowed them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so I, I, even at that point, when wrestling got big in this country, we still already had like this weird nostalgia for this early to mid-90s sort of thing. And unfortunately, then it disappeared off, um, off of um, ITV. And I didn't really think about WCW again for a number of years. I did, I did have a few tapes at that stage because every Sunday I used to go to car boot sales with my dad on a Sunday morning, oh, yeah. uh, and quite often there would be WCW VHS tapes for sale for like fifty p. So I amassed quite a big collection, which I, I did eventually sell off in the end. But um, uh, at one point, yeah, I had like probably ten or eleven like just WCW tapes. Some of them legit, some of them tape like were copies just and stuff. <laughs> just just like from from car boot sales, it was a really okay. weird time. That was a good time. Um, I'm not gonna yeah. lie. Um, but yeah, so it days. disappeared. WCW disappeared really for um, for us in this country uh, mm. for quite a while then, and then Nitro popped up on TNT, um, which I, I mean, again, I remember only discovering that completely by accident Me too. because the Cartoon Network finished, and, and then there was wrestling, and I went, "What?" Yeah, that's what was me. Like I, I, I didn't see any adverts or anything. I was just sitting there one day, and I was like, "Wait, what?" 
what the hell what's going on and it's such a weird thing because it was it was so like there was no promotion of it in this country at all and i i, mean, I didn't even know what tnt was really to be honest i mean i you know, we had it. Um, and again, you know, <laughs> uh, peek behind the curtain. We both ended up working for that company many years later. Yeah. Which is a very strange thing as we that discussed was, this. Yeah, that was pretty... <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's like the first thing I, <laughs> I asked when I got there. I was like, so uh, any WCW stuff around here? <laughs> I think... I, I have this really strong memory of my first day there when I started. I asked you and you said, don't ask about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it was like a dirty secret no one yeah. wanted to talk about it's like you know talk about it oh, it's such a it's weird thing considering yeah. such a profitable company for a while like it's such I a know. weird thing it's um such a weird pariah but yeah so i think the first i remember seeing nitro uh on um it was probably must must have been i do you know what i have a, a vague memory of seeing a bit of it uh early 1996 but i think the first full episode i watched um was because my uh, again because my i think my sister was in the room and my my dad was there as well and they were both a bit like what it's because it was uh it turned out it was the night after bash of the beach when oh. uh hulk hogan walked out in all in black and they were like everyone was obviously a bit confused because that was weird no, hulk Hogan's evil? yeah <laughs> so actually i i think I, that that was what hooks me into realizing i could watch it yeah. every friday at that stage but um yeah yeah it, it's a really weird thing have you got any particular memories of that period like uh, yeah. kind of yeah on Friday nights watching Nitro yeah it was the same thing I think just chilling watching some Cartoon Network and then you're like alright Cartoon Network's over and then all of a sudden I'm like wait what what's going why is Hulk Hogan fighting in a mall like it doesn't make any yeah. sense <laughs> I think that might be the first episode I ever watched I was like why the fuck is he fighting in a mall for what is this <laughs> Lex Luger's still alive like I'm gonna be so confused <laughs> Uh, just seeing all of these old characters but in WCW and then yeah from then on I was hooked and then yeah they said the biggest uh, I think maybe I seen that and then I had then you know I didn't pay attention for a while mm. and then I came back because I don't actually remember when NWO like I don't remember the outsiders the beginning of it no when me I neither started, yeah when I started watching it, it it was already what it was right mm. and I just remember thinking whoa Hulk Hogan's evil Hulk Hogan's evil? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. He's a bad guy? And then, yeah, just every week you would tune in. Like, it was like, it was literally uh, me, you, and the guys, our whole lives revolved around Friday nights. It was oh, like, yeah. I can't wait for Friday night. This is the night I come alive. Like, Cartoon Network ends, and then you would see just some of the best wrestling, and for me, like, the best storylines, and even before they had won the, you know, the, the the Monday Night Wars and all of that stuff, even before that became, like, you know, that started to really become a thing, I, st- like, I still thought it was better, or I not even thought it was better, I didn't even watch the competition, but that's because I didn't actually have Sky Sports. See, so I, I was... Going- I was going to get to this in a second. Uh, yeah, like, uh, were you was Nitro your priority? Would you say uh, overall yeah. in the uh, yeah? Oh, completely. Uh, I remember going into school, sitting next to um, a guy in French class, and I'm like, dude, you know, you need to watch WCW. It's so sick. Like, oh my, or Nang or whatever word we use. <laughs> so Nang. Nang. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it's so big. Like, oh, it's got Hulk Hogan and he's evil, and Razor Ramon is evil, and Diesel's evil, and it's sick. And he was like, oh, no, 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 you need to know about this dude called Stone Cold. And I was like, who's he? And he's like, oh my God, he's amazing. He does all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. So I remember kind of like through WCW is kind of how I learned about, like, I missed all of the Stone Cold turning into Stone Cold. I missed, 
I miss like you know Bret Hart becoming the well, you know the biggest star. I miss Shawn Michaels WrestleMania twelve. That whole era of like I discovered afterwards. So, um, but yeah, WCW I mean you, you missed out on uh, a lot of terrible, terrible years. <laughs> <laughs> the lean years in between uh, during the new generation. I look back at it really fondly, but I don't try. I'm not going back and try to rewatch a lot of it because what I have tried to rewatch is it. it it's not always easy <laughs> for me, right? I think I stopped watching WWF around. Well, one, we didn't have Sky anymore, so that kind of put a, a pin in it. But it was Doink the Clown that made me stop watching it. Fair. I hated him so much that I just stopped watching wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone could blame you. But yeah, WCW was the reason I got back into wrestling, basically. And WW, I only started watching WWF because, as we'll get to, WCW had descended into such a bad product that I just didn't even know what to do with myself. I still needed wrestling, and I begrudgingly started watching um, Raw. <laughs> and I didn't like it for the longest time, and I don't think I ever really, truly will ever like WWE uh, or WWF as much as I ever, ever, ever loved WCW. It's a yeah. funny one. Like, I, I have this vague... There was, like, a very brief period in sort of... Probably 1990... Late 98, early 99, where... Like, so Monday through Thursday, and actually probably Saturday and Sunday as well, I was I had to go to... I went to bed at a very reasonable time. It was quite early. My parents were quite strict about that. But on a Friday, they were quite happy for me to stay up kind of until, you know, sort of... 1am if I really wanted to uh, as long as I got up and did everything on a Saturday morning that I had to do, you know, hoovering the house and whatever, chores and yeah. whatnot, right um, so on a Friday I eventually discovered that while the Friday night wars were going on as they were more accurately in this country uh, between Raw and Nitro that uh, when we got, we got Sky Sports back yeah. which I think we got <laughs> <you> gonna say? <laughs> it turns out that you could watch you could watch Nitro and then for a little while you could watch Nitro then watch an hour the hour long version of Thunder that we got and then yeah. you could watch yes. the repeat of Raw yes at one, it was like at 1am right <laughs> yeah so if you were willing to stay up long enough you could watch a block of wrestling that was I want to say about six hours yeah oh those were the days man I mean it's incredible <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it's it really is like, and I I still find that mental that at twelve years old that I was able to do that, but also it's just brilliant. Like it's it such a cool best. thing. It was the best. It was just, but the problem was actually, you say that right? You'd start watching Nitro. I think it was on around seven, maybe seven or eight. Yeah, you'd start watching Nitro. Cool. Then Thunder would come on. Ugh, you'd yeah. try and stop yourself from committing suicide after however long of watching Thunder. <laughs> And then I guess yeah, if you if you'd managed to stay alive, then you would watch Roma. Thunder was so unbelievably bad. I mean, I feel like they gave up on Thunder quite quickly. Yeah, it was just <laughs> like, uh, yeah, because it was good. The first, like when it first happened, you're like, oh, wicked, another show. It was so bad. I mean, if oh, you God. really really enjoyed Horace Hogan, uh, Stevie Ray, uh, Brian Adams. Glacier. Uh, Glacier. You know, if you really enjoyed uh, a very fat Jim the Anvil Neidhart, uh, I mean, <laughs> like, if you really enjoyed that, that those lower card guys that were too high profile to get onto the WCWC shows, but were not high profile enough to be on Nitro, then oh, you were God. in for a treat. <laughs> oh, man. 
Jeez. Yeah. Those are the days though. But the thing about WCW was just like, I just felt like in comparison to Raw, which I, I don't know, maybe Raw was more realistic or something. I don't know. I don't know how the, I just felt like Nitro seemed like the better show, like with the Nitro girls and the pyrotechnics and the wrestling. Oh my God, you couldn't compare the two. Yeah. You just like, as a fan of wrestling, you couldn't even compare the two. The wrestling was so much better. I mean, especially like the technical and cruiserweight wrestling, like those, you know, the sort of performers they got. Now, whether they ever did enough with them is another question, but, and maybe that's a bigger problem of WCW in in the overall, the short-termism of that. But you can't argue that the undercard, like absolutely dicked on anything that, the WWE oh, had going at the time, like there was, there's no comparison. It was better than it was better than the main event stuff. Like it was yeah. it just like um, you know watching Hooventude and Billy Kidman and and um, you know Eddie Guerrero Rey Mysterio and his in his prime Chris Benoit. You know, like just the, yeah, I know, it, I know he's a horrible Canadian wrestler X. Like watching <laughs> all of those guys, yeah, just at the peak. Dean Malenko. Dean Malenko. Um, Chris Jericho uh, as well. That's still one of my favourite runs of his was yeah. his time in WCW. Exactly. Uh, you know, Ultimo Dragon. Jushin um, oh, Thunder Liger. Jushin Thunder Liger. La Parker, the chairman of the board. Uh, <laughs> the chairman of the board. <laughs> Norman Smiley. Although I associate Norman Smiley with the da- with <laughs> with the, <laughs> the exponential downgrade curve, I guess, or the, the retrograde. What? You, you mean curve you of- mean the, the the later days where he became screaming Norman Smiley? Yeah, or when he would just come out wearing his a hockey shirt. Yeah. And he looked like a man walking around with no trousers. And then he'd do the big wiggle and you'd be like, what What fucking happened to this show? <laughs> what happened to this show? Uh, as we've segued into it, like, so have you got any sort of favorite, particular favorite memories from Nitro or, or Thunder, if that's really what you're going to go? <laughs> uh, is there anything that sort of sticks out to you, would you say? Yeah, so many, so many things, man. Like the, the rise of Goldberg. Oh my God. I was going to oh. say that. Yeah, the rise of Goldberg, man, like was just like I don't know if you can, I don't know if anything in WWF could ever compare to the rise of Goldberg, like or the, the ascent of a star. I'm trying to think, like in my head, has anything ever been that exciting? Like watching the two, and I don't think the way he was built up and the way they booked him because he couldn't wrestle, I guess. Yeah, he came out. He smashed dudes, and like at this time, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't know whether it was, I didn't know it was real or not. <laughs> so, <laughs> if, if he if he fucked up moves or or, or potatoed someone or whatever, I don't know. I just thought he was extra fucking someone. <laughs> Do you know what? I think one of the things about Goldberg is is that also because they booked him that way, what was always really cool was then when he'd do a new move, everybody lost their shit. Even if it's like, he's done a leg lock. I'm like, it's not that impressive, but like, it's impressive when he normally only does punch, kick, spear, (laughs) jackhammer. Like it's, you know, you add in an extra move, suddenly that's, you know, that's like a fifth of his, uh, of his moves. What is that awesome fucking move that he does when he holds you? You you know the move, basically one of his three moves, the one where he holds you, holds, um, uh, people above his head and then he puts them over his shoulder and then kind of like power slams. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there a name for that? Or no, what? I think it's just a sort of slam, really. It's I mean, awesome. I, it's I like press, it. gorilla press into a, a like a slam. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but it was oh. it, it's the impact though. Like it's the the like the like he was so like in, the intensity and the impact. Never seen anything like it before. Or since. Like, exactly, and, and the fucking 
entrance is maybe the coolest wrestling entrance ever. Um, it is, without question. Door, and there's police because this dude is so insane. It's like, <laughs> who the fuck is this guy? He's like, look, I'm so fucking crazy. They just let me out of jail. Like, <laughs> and then they walk him. You see him walk all the way to the ring. And you're just like, who the fuck is this guy? And then the fucking pyro. And he breathes that shit out like a fucking dragon. That can't have been good for his lungs. Out. No, no fucking. The quarterback for his lungs. Breathing in fridge, fridge uh, gases. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Freon or whatever the fuck. I mean, is. we laugh, but that's probably shortened his life. <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts spazzing out, doing all these weird punches and kicks, and like freaking his head like he's just like, this dude is on meth. This dude is insane. And like the traps, you know, his trapezoids or whatever coming basically out of his ears. Like, oh my God, Goldberg. Woo. And then yeah. the who's next and everything like there's nothing you know that will ever make me feel this, the way that that did. The one of the things I remember about Nitro, especially around Goldberg, is they used to do these like little interstitial things that like would only ever be like a minute long in between stuff. Um, I know I shouldn't say that is exactly what interstitial means, but you know, still, um, <laughs> I've just described what I'm describing. Um, but they, there was this one, I think it was like Goldberg in 60 seconds. And it, I just yeah. remember this video really, really vividly because it was just literally a compilation of him spearing and jackhammering people for 60 seconds. <laughs> and like, it, it did a better job than anything I've ever seen of getting a wrestler over. And I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, I know what Goldberg's about. That's yeah, fine. This guy, yeah. he fucks <laughs> people up. Yeah, that's it. There's nothing else. There's no fine. character. He, he, he didn't out. need anything else. No. It's like he was Brock Lesnar. He was the prototype of what Brock Lesnar is. Like where they got with Brock Lesnar. He oh, comes yeah. out. He fucks people up. He leaves. That's it. Like he doesn't talk. He doesn't promo. He doesn't do any of that shit. And it's only when they started like, you know, doing that stuff that it got it got terrible. So so you say one of the memories I have of, of WCW, um, I would say... <laughs> I would say it's the the oh another good one would be um when he won the title at the Georgia Dome, right? Oh man, that's such a <gasps> great nitro as well. He's got to beat Scott Hall earlier in the night. Oh man, that was unbelievable. And the fact Daniel, that I like, tell you one second, can you just fill for time for a second? Explain your thoughts on that, because I've just got to let my cat out. <laughs> yeah, cool. I can, yeah. Like the fact, guys, let me set this need for you. So you you tune in to Nitro as you usually do, and you're like Wait, why are there so many people at this Nitro? And it's like, there are like 100,000 people or something. I think it was at the Georgia Dome. Where the Dirty Birds kicked the tree, if you're ludicrous fans. And um, you're just like, wait, this looks... There are so many people in this building. It looks like this match is happening outside. And oh, the, the excitement was palpable. I had no clue that Goldberg was actually going to win the title, even though... You know, you know they sold out that building on like three days' notice as well. Jeez, yeah, that, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it's where, I know it's where Goldberg used to play American football, so obviously it does have a, a you know there is yes, a bit of a thing about that as well. But still, three days, big. Oh my god! And I just remember Dude, they've done a WrestleMania like, there since. Oh yeah, it's just it was ridiculous. It was like that was like for me. I'm trying to think like the, the the only memories I can I can even put close to that are maybe the ways that I felt while watching say WrestleMania 17. Of course. Um yeah, but like that was a big one. And another one, uh, no, sorry. <laughs> was the whole mega death. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Megadeth played Crushem and then he shouted I'm back and then didn't come back two weeks. <laughs> oh, WCW. 
thought he was back. Who the fuck is he? Like, what the fuck? But yeah, yeah. But what about I you, mean, man? I think that might, just before I get into my favourite memories, I must say, I think that might be where WCW started to die for me, is yes, when they changed yeah. Goldberg's music to Crush Em by Megadeth. We're raise your infrared as we cruise. Cruise! I just like, <laughs> why would you change the most iconic piece of wrestling music ever to Crush Em? Exactly. I mean, really that feels like a terrible mistake. <laughs> was it was a pretty big fucking mistake <laughs> um in terms of like memories especially during the nitro era there's there's quite a few things i mean uh chris jericho's run in 98 especially the uh the stuff the stuff with uh dean malenko's dad i mean that's a that's a that's a real winner uh the obviously the man of a thousand and four holds uh i love that um i mean you know yeah as you said the, the goldberg win I think all the stuff with Sting as well in 1997, like the and, and like early 98, where he would, you know, come down from the ceiling and you know suddenly, oh, yeah, 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 like you know, basically yeah. just absolutely batter the NWO on his own. And that like stuff was amazing. It's oh, incredible. I like you know when he eventually won the title, such a you know, such a big moment. Even if they fucked it up a little bit, but it still didn't matter because I love Sting, so it's fine. It was like, oh my god, the fucking crow! Like this yeah. is so sick, and he just appears in the ring and starts fucking everyone up with a baseball bat. Oh my oh, god, that's so good. Oh god, so good. Um, so good. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, also the rise of DDP as well. There's some like, there's yeah. some brilliant stuff. There's a there's a wonderful. Um, and I remember watching this on TV really vividly um, of. Um, DDP, uh, well, it was La Parker versus the Macho Man, and yeah. La Parker beat uh, Randy Savage with a diamond car and then unmasked, and it was DDP. I've no <laughs> idea why he was dressed as La Parker. They never explained it. They didn't have to. Well, it's fucking amazing. That is the most RKO out of nowhere. <laughs> Which will always be the diamond cut to me. Oh, I yeah. guess if you're older, it would be the ace cut or ace crusher or whatever. Yeah, it's still <laughs> the diamond cut. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm not sure. I think the stunner is more of a more like the ace crusher than the. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, you're I right, think. You're right. So I think I think DDP really probably gets the credit for the for the diamond cutter. I think. Diamond cutter, yeah. I think, but it's hard to say. A lot of people lay claim to that. I mean, it's it's a great move anyway. Whatever way you use it, whether it's an RKO or stunner or ace crusher. The DDP. RKO out of nowhere is also DDP's gimmick as well because mm. he would hit you with the diamond cutter out of nowhere. Again, I remember one Probably of those. Yeah interstitial things where they had just a compilation of diamond cutters and there's always that weird one where he had Eddie Guerrero over his shoulder and uh you can't see this but I'm demonstrating this as though you're here uh he had him over his shoulder like uh like with his chest with Eddie Guerrero's chest facing DDP's shoulder and his is so like you know as if he was carrying like a a bag of spuds um yeah and he like flipped him over and then flipped him over again and then gave him a diamond cutter and I was like there was there's a lot of needless movement here (laughs) it looked really cool so awesome the coolest things usually do have the most needless movement (laughs) um yeah and I mean I just think you know, and again, I know a lot of people are really down on it and argue that it's the moment where WCW started to go nosedive. However, I, for one, really enjoyed the finger poke of Doom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I still think that was brilliant. Sorry. Is that when they, is that when they like, started spray painting um, Goldberg for, like, 15 minutes and, like, <laughs> yes. wickening and stuff? That was the... I'm not going to lie. I fucking loved it at the time. I thought this is... And it went on for so long. They <laughs> spray-painted spray painting. Painting. Spray the entire of Goldberg's head. 
<laughs> you just you're like wow this won't stop and i loved it but looking back on it it's like this is fucking stupid it probably <laughs> was but i'm i'm and then they had that weird the, the weird nwo wolfpack and uh they're black and white but the black and white were then the b team and the wolfpack were the a team but they were all one big unit and, and yeah then there was a schism. <sighs> it was just i used to yeah. know we loved the wolfpack though like, like the woo, the, the too sweet little, you know, the, we still do that to this day. So yes, yes. Even it's... though it was ridiculous, it was still fucking awesome. I mean, like, yeah. I just, I mean, I think that the whole NWO thing, like, and it's weird now, if you go back and watch, watch an episode of Nitro, it gets quite tedious after a while because it's like, there's so many people in the NWO that the NWO <laughs> music is played like, uh, like 10 times a show. <laughs> and you never know who's coming out. So it, it does get quite annoying after a while. But Is Stevie Ray in the NWO, did I? Y- yes. Like, name yeah. name somebody in WCW and they were probably in the you know go on, name, name me someone. WO's um uh Disco Inferno. Yes, he was in the Wolfpack. Oh okay, he was, wasn't he? You imagine the thing is, right? The way I saw it was the Wolfpack was the cool one. Right, because they had the cooler music. They were like, "Don't turn your back on the Wolfpack." So they had the like the West Coast kind of like hip hop music. Okay, so again, I'm gonna stop you there. I'm gonna have to stop you there because you know what? I tried to listen to that music recently. I I I put that on a a playlist uh, on shuffle when I went for a run, and you know what? It is not a very good piece of music. No, it's terrible. (laughs) It's like it's this horrible like synthy MIDI keyboard. (laughs) it's so shit don't turn your back on the wolf pack because you might end up in a body bag it doesn't even make sense i love it (laughs) i love it that's the shit the shittiness of the music is what makes it man and they would come out and like fucking you know scott hall would have his bandana on or whatever fucking tupac style and they give it yeah they're giving it the wolf pack kiss which i think I think they came up with so much cool shit back then, though. Like, for life and the wolf pet kiss and all of that stuff. You know where that comes from, don't you? The the too sweet symbol, like the the wolf kiss thing. Apparently, so, I mean, obviously, it's wrestling, so how much of this is true is, you know, it's up for debate, right? But supposedly, uh, Sean Walkman apparently saw some um, Italian mobsters doing that in a a bar. Oh. And decided that they were going to steal it. (laughs) Fair enough. I mean, it's cool as fuck. Don't get me wrong. Oh <laughs> cool. shit! I guess that's why it came from mobsters, and that stuff was so cool. Like even when oh, it yeah. was like on the decline, I guess because I don't think we had quite realized what was happening. We still kind of enjoyed it with the whole Wolfpack stuff because the wrestling was still good, the ratings were still there. hadn't hadn't Vince Russoed completely yet because I mean that this is the thing. Out. Like they the were. Russo- oh yeah, we'll get onto that in a minute. Um, but. It wasn't even in decline. It just like versus how what the WWF were doing. It was in decline because they weren't beating WWF every time. But to be fair, WWF were doing ridiculous numbers. Like like just to put it in perspective, the average Raw at the moment is doing. I think it's like something like you know two million viewers on a good night, right? And that's perceived to be a, a like a good a good thing, right? Hmm. The, at, at that point, they were doing Nitro. They were doing episodes of Raw in like 1999, like early 99, that were doing something ridiculous, like fucking six million people. Wow! Like it, it was crazy. proper zeitgeisty stuff. Like, and it was such a big, like you know, they huge. 
it was it was enormous. It was a mainstream thing for a bit. And WCW was as well. Fuck's sake, like 98 was the year where they supposedly lost, you know, the advantage in the Monday Night Wars. And fucking Goldberg and Kevin Nash were on the cover of TV Guide. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's it was still enormous. And all they had to do was just not like do anything stupid. So keep, obviously keep they did going. something stupid. <laughs> Oh, was that when they hired Vince Russo? No, this is when they uh, they they let Kevin Nash start booking. Oh, uh, and then which, that's yeah, that's yeah. Really and then they brought in, in Vince Russo, and then it got worse. Yeah, because I remember so around '98, it was '98 was like the peak of of not the, yeah, no, it wasn't the peak, but '98 was getting to the peak of my wrestling fandom, and I say it peaked in 1999, 2000. Yeah, 1999 is when I remember by the. Uh, by the end of 1999, by 2000, I was WWF. I was a WWF fan. Like I was watching both, but I knew that I was more interested in what was happening on Raw because it was, you know, I remember Royal Rumble 2000 was fantastic. The WrestleMania that year was too fast. was fantastic. The No Way Out was fantastic. Like 2000 was like an amazing year for WW, um, uh, WWF. Um, so by that time you knew that the writing was like, well, the writing had been on the wall and every wall around the building for mm. WCW. Like we started to get the triple cage matches. Oh God. We started to ready to rumble. Them. You're ready to rumble. David Arquette, like all of the screwy booking, just like. In Russo world up. champion. Oh God. Just every week, the weird, it, you know what? It's from when they changed that logo to that fucking bullshit. Uh, yeah. Uh, they ass logo and then ever since then and like the set like i love the nitro set like I, I, something about it just seemed awesome exciting but then they changed it to that sterile horrible set with that super long weird looking walkway and there was nothing else around there it just seems i don't know maybe it was cheaper or something for them to run or something for them to have that kind of set or something i don't know why i think it was cost cutting yeah i mean there's a you have to remember there was a period of time as well in this country where we didn't get nitro for a little while in 2000 so it came off tnt for a little while and it was i think it's about two or three months where it wasn't on um it was on, until it returned on Bravo. Yes. Uh, during which time it's okay because you were kept informed because I went to my <laughs> mum's work on a, a Tuesday a Tuesday uh, after school and went and printed out the results and brought them in. Yes. And we would read them at break times. And we were like, okay, what happened this day? Okay, oh, cool. And around this time, actually, guys, we made our first wrestling website. Which oh, my exist God. Anymore. Thomas had a column called Tales from the Hairs. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could find that, but oh, we've save, been doing this a long time. Save the time, road <laughs> Save the road dog. We've been doing this for a long ass time, I guess. I mean, that was the original <laughs> WrestleCube, really. It was. It was. <laughs> this is, yeah, I mean, good, nearly just over 20 years ago. Because uh, I think that was like the back end of 2000, I think. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, which is crazy. Long ass time, man. And, um, um, yeah. I, I, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, the later WCW stuff, obviously, you know, there have literally been books written about it, uh, about what how one you gave me for my birthday. Yes, <laughs> there are so there are to read. There are there are more than one. There have been several books written about the fall of WCW. So there's not a lot more we can add to that. I don't think really, other than it's a damn shame as well, like because they were you know, such an important company. And I mean, you know, near the end, they I don't know how things could have been different. You know if. AOL and Time Warner hadn't had their their merger at that point and forced Ted Turner out and you know 
essentially Eric Bischoff was in the process of buying WCW and then was basically told, well, there's no TV slot for you. And without the TV slot, of course, the, the product was essentially worthless to, to him, um, which is obviously why Vince McMahon bought it, because if nothing else, the tape library was an enormous get. Really, you know, really short-sighted by AOL Time Warner. Oh, gotcha. It was, yeah, it was Incredibly just a distaste so. at that time. The, the traditional media, I guess, guys' distaste for professional wrestling, which I think funny is really one. silly. Short-sighted. They really should have seen the longer-term picture because it was still a viable business. They just needed to cost-cut and get rid of some of those guaranteed salaries, which I guess would have taken a while to do. But eventually, the product would have been there. It's a TV show that has and a brand that has, you know a lot of value because WWF have been making money off that tape library for years now. So, Oh yeah. I mean, it's really, really short-sighted. So silly. I mean, that's a big selling point of the network. I would say is that the, yeah. they've got that tape library and you can watch every raw, every nitro, how many documentaries have w- WWE been able to roll out in the last 20 years because they've been able to show footage from WCW. Exactly. Like it's an enormous thing for them. Like it makes such a big difference. Um, it would have been huge odd stuff for them if they'd kept it. They would have been able to license the shit out of it. But oh yeah, yeah, were, definitely. They were just uh, working there at the time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think it was it very come back around as well. Yeah. Like, and it's it's mental in a way that a company that has access to a product that can be licensed, as you say, like in such a big way, and that can be licensed for toy licensing when you yeah. have. Yeah. You have a stream of where you can advertise for free toys <laughs> on, on your own network. Like it's bonkers to me that then they would go, "Nah, it's too much money." Like, you know, sell it. Don't care. Don't even want the IP. Yeah. Just sell it. Like, what? It's such a bizarre what? thing. Especially <laughs> wrestling does it. Like, even during that period when things got a bit more, you know, a bit more adult orientated. Like, like it appeals to children. It's 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 yeah. bright colors. It's flashy. Like, it's it's something about it that yeah, it, it, on its very base level. It does appeal to kids. So like to 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 jettison that with such a short sighted way was absolutely insane to me. And I still can't get my head around the fact they decided to do that. And I wonder if that's why when we did work there, why it is such a like you know, it was such a like don't ask about this because yeah, as you did, they regret that they, they probably did themselves out of an enormous amount of money. Because you get this like uh when you start working there, they give you this like uh, I remember it was like a booklet or something about the history of Turner. <laughs> And there's nothing in it. Nothing in it. News network. Not a single, not a single peep about you know one of the biggest cultural phenomenon. You know, for a period of time, it was the, one of the biggest, if not the biggest thing on TV. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Mentioned. So, yeah. um, so when you think about WCW, who is the first person that comes into mind? Oh, that's interesting. So in my mind, it's Goldberg, but um, if I discount Goldberg because. You know, I, I would say it's Sting. Like, WCW was Sting, right? He was the guy, I feel like he was there to the bitter end. I mean, I mean they were all there to the bitter end, but, like, he was the guy. And I'm, and not just, like, uh, Crow Sting, like, original, like, Sting. Sting. Oh, That's yeah. what I think about when I think of WCW. That was what differentiated it from WWF. It was, like, you had the, <laughs> the I guess you had the old warrior with his long hair and blah, 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 and acting crazy. And then you had cool surfer dude Sting and the bright uh, yellow WCW logo with the blue. Yeah. And that was like, he embodied WCW to me. He was everything about that company was this action hero, um, good guy Sting. So that's kind of what I, I always think about when I think of WCW. Um, even even though that wasn't the period I liked the most, that's just kind of what embodies it for me. I, I would agree with that. I mean, there are other people I would give a shout to, but I mean, they you know, 
I mean, I think you, Ric Flair is in that conversation for me because yeah. even though he wrestled in WWF as well, I always think of him as being associated with the NWA and WCW yeah. and all that. Um, but Sting is, yeah, probably the main one because he never left and he was always just so closely tied to that brand and that company and everything that you know, kind of embodied that really. And I guess in a way embodied the changing nature of their product as well because yeah. as, as the product got hotter and changed into something else. He changed up his look and his character and everything with it. Um, and then when it got, you know, the, the the Wolfpack became a cool thing, he joined them and changed his colour scheme and all the rest of it. And then, you know, I mean, it, it, there is something to be said for that, I think. I think Sting, yeah, is probably the, the face of WCW for me. And this is the thing, right? And this is why, like, at some point, we probably will talk about TNA. But this is why I, I despise TNA so much. Because it was, it was the dying corpse of WCW, like it was. It, it that's what it felt like to me. It was like it was the same show. It was the same guys. It was all of it was all of the same garbage, and it just kept going and kept going. And there was at times where I actually re- like I still had hope because I still preferred WCW over WWF. Yeah. So I watched TNA and followed TNA for way longer than I should have because I just wanted. I've wanted more WCW, but it just kept reminding you how bad WCW was at the end. But there's always something about WCW that, for me, is more about what professional wrestling should be than what the WWF always was. WWF was always like a cartoon TV show, entertainment product with wrestling in it. Whereas the WCW, uh, and one of the reasons I like NWO Power stuff and, and AEW as well, is that it's a wrestling show it's a show about wrestling and all of the different facets in it. It's not trying to bamboozle you with, you know, uh, you know well, it is, but it, it's just not successful. It, it's just a different it's style, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, stylistically it's, very different. It's that Southern style of wrestling, which I think is more about the wrestling and the soap opera and just all of the, you know, it embraces everything about what wrestling is. Whereas the WWE was always more of a, was so much showier and, and, and sillier, I guess, more cartoony. I guess they, in, you could argue that WWF traditionally probably sacrificed the quality of the in-ring stuff. Yeah. Uh, the in-ring stuff was almost like a, a background to what other stuff that was going on. It's almost like WWF was a television program about wrestling, whereas WCW was offering a wrestling show. Yeah, yeah, wrestling show on TV. Yeah, yeah. They're similar concepts, but they're not quite the same thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, so, I mean, yeah. it's, it's yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and that, talking about power and um, AEW kind of leans in quite nicely to the last kind of point I'd written down prior to us, to us doing this. Um, spoiler, folks, we didn't do a lot of prep for this. This was just going to nope. be a fun uh, fun little chat um, and sharing some, some nice memories. Uh, but yeah, um, what would you say is WCW's enduring kind of legacy. Oh, that's really interesting. That's so interesting. Um, I would say that it's enduring legacy. Wow, that's a tough question. I can give you my answer if you want, yeah. Yeah, you go first. I actually think that in many ways, the enduring legacy now of WCW is going to be AEW. Yes. Because actually the style, the way they've set up their arena, the way they shoot things. Again, I mean, I know there is actually some production crew who worked for WCW who are now working for AEW, the likes of Keith Mitchell. Um, But 
I think a lot of that comes down to there. There is still a hunger. I think that like it's a funny thing. I don't think that when WCW closed, a lot this enormous number of uh, you know WCW fans suddenly started watching WWE. Yeah. I think a lot of them just turned off. I think because yeah, they didn't like the product. No, exactly. And so a few of those would have flocked back to TNA, but TNA couldn't help itself from being TNA. So every time they started doing something good, they would find a way to to, to pick the worst impulses of the reason that WCW shut down. So yeah. they could never help themselves. And it was all very Russo-heavy, and I think that put a lot of people off. Whereas AEW feels like this quite measured thing to the point where, like... You know, there's these really strong undercard wrestlers. They've got like they're focusing on young talent in the undercard, and there's there are some big names who've come over from WWE. I mean, Christian has now turned up, which is, is yeah. you know, and and I wouldn't say he's a big name, but you know, it is still a big thing that somebody maybe of that size. You know? uh, Miro, the f- former Rusev, turned up. You know, you've got a few. You know, Jericho, obviously being the big one. Like yeah. you've got a few big names in there who I would say arguably. You know, it, it's it's not quite the you know the defections from WWE, WWF and WCW back in the day, but it certainly feels like the spiritual successor, I would say, to WCW. Yeah, I agree, and and um, I mean, I'm so dim that it took me a while to realize that Dynamite, you know, is Nitro, is Nitro. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, of course. It's like you know what I mean. Like, so it really is. It, it's exact. It's the spiritual successor. They're advertising it as. Did you like Nitro? Well, this is dynamite. This is, you know, yeah, this is. You remember that thing that you liked the ages ago that went away? This isn't quite that, but it's a bit like it. Hey, you can't make dynamite without nitroglycerin, my Indeed. friend. So. Indeed. So, you know, I mean, just not over me water. Uh, hey, as you should. You fuck that water. How dare it be moist and, and wet? <laughs> it's all right because the lid was off. I was a little bit worried it was about to land on a, on a, a plug that was turned on. But I think well, oh, that's the best. I'm still here, so I think we're okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah like, um, yeah, so I just want to say you, you were talking about the exodus hasn't happened yet, but I I'm starting to feel like it's starting to happen with the big show. I mean, that was a big one. That's a big one. You're starting to see it more and more. Like people are people. WWE wrestlers are starting to realize. They don't have to be there anymore to be on TV and on that stage anymore. Like the fact that Thunder Rosa went to, she went to AEW. Thunder Rosa, I think, is the best female wrestler there is. Yeah. So I know no, no arguments here. Yeah, she went to AEW. She didn't go to WC, uh, WWE, and I think a lot of the wrestlers who are being buried and and haven't had like you know, being able to do the wrestling they want to do, because I know, and you know a lot of these guys grew up, they, a lot of them are our age now, a lot of the biggest guys yeah. grew up watching the type of wrestling that we liked, WCW, Attitude Era, WWF, and I'm not saying, the, you know, everyone, they want, everyone wants to do all of the horrible stuff that happened in Attitude Era, no, but no, they want but... those more, a lot of those guys want to do the more serious stuff, they don't want to be silly, they want to, they want to do the cool shit that they grew up watching, and you can do that at AEW, like, this is where we do wrestling the way, like, you know, the way people like it, you know, the way... <laughs> I mean, you know, the WWE's main event scene skews quite a lot older than, than uh, you know, even with those guys coming over, the sort of, there is still a, a hint of that old kind of, you know, yeah. a lot of, I mean, you know, Randy Orton's still main eventing and he's, he, you know, he's, he's 40. Edge is in his, his late 40s and he's just come back. Like, you know, I mean, a lot of the, you know, Roman Reigns is probably their only kind of really yeah. big viable... Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre are both, you know, and they're doing brilliantly, both of them. I've really yeah. enjoyed their work recently. But I, 
yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of older members. You know, they have very few under 30 kind of, yeah. you know, uh, big stars. And uh, whereas AEW is really pushing the kind of youth thing. And yeah. I mean, I, the only thing I hope is, is that they don't make the same mistakes WCW did, which was yeah, getting yeah. quoted by taking too many people and, you know, taking too many kind of quote unquote big names from from WWE who aren't really doing anything. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. It, there's a fine line to tread and I think they are for the most part. They've got to but... maintain that quality. And like I just think I can imagine a lot of WWE wrestlers looked at John Moxley and looked at how he he all of the stuff he must have been telling the the WWE creative team that he wanted to do with his career and they said no. And then he did it in AEW and it was successful. I can imagine a lot of them are looking at there thinking, man, I wonder if I could, I'm mid-card Michael. I wonder if I, if I go over to AEW and do what I think I could do, will I become a success, you know? so Look at Cody Rhodes. I mean, he left WWE, he left WWE and went off, you know, I know he went to Japan for a bit of the rest of it, but essentially the, the biggest thing was me getting together with like, with the young bucks and the rest of it. And, via AEW, he's become their sort of de facto top baby face. And yeah, he was exactly. never going to be booked like that for WWE, despite the fact he always, you know, he, I was, I've been, it's a funny thing. I've been going back through all of the Royal Rumbles. Uh, it turns out that takes a lot longer than I thought it was going to. Yeah. Uh, that's all matches. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I can, I saw this in the beginning of January and I was like, oh, I'll probably be done in time for the Rumble. It's March. <laughs> I'm still doing it. Uh, <laughs> it takes a while. Um, yeah. So I would say, Watching his development through though is quite a good like litmus test for like not litmus test um it's quite a good measure of his development year on year because you can see from one year he was like dashing Cody Rhodes and the next year he's got a moustache and the next year he's stardust and whatever right and you kind of see him throughout the years as he's going on you know finally getting some knee pads not looking yeah. like a <laughs> um, but like he's getting better and better and you could see it but you could also see that that he's in the same spot every year like there's nothing there's no progression for him and there was one year i think it's like 2014 or so and he looked like they they looked like he might be they were going to pull the trigger on him and the next year he's back there again and i'm just a bit like well what was the point like he's obviously a guy the fans were reacting to him as well it was very interesting to see that he wasn't really being given much to work with um so yeah I, i i it's one of those things that i'm i'm um Cody Rhodes is obviously done well for himself. And as you say, there will be people who've looked at that and gone, well, I'm not doing much here. Maybe I could go I, somewhere else. And obviously, I if it, to see, you know, obviously Dolph Ziggler. I mean, he's not, he's, done, he's, not, he's not doing anything else, is he? Yeah. I feel like he still has a, like, he's still got something to, to prove. And I feel like someone like him must be like, these guys have been shitting on me for years. So... I mean, I will, I will never take him seriously wherever he goes. Uh, I just, there's something about him. I just genuinely like. It's not even a like. I don't like him because he's a heel. I mean, I just genuinely just find him really irritating. Like, and I just, I don't know if it's his hair or his face. Like, because he is actually quite good in the ring. I just, yeah. there's something about him that I just can't take seriously. He's just always going to be a joke to me. And I, I like, and nothing against the man personally. I'm sure he's lovely. Like, and I'm sure he's very, he's worked very hard to be where he is and the rest of it. I just can't find a connection with his character at all. And he's playing the same character that he has for the last like 15 years. It's because you don't like selling. Boy, can I mean, he sell? well, he can and he can't. I mean, he can sell if, if selling is looking like a fish. <laughs> it's so looking around like a fish out of water for every single spot is selling, then fine. 
depends on your definition of selling my definition might be slightly different but you know no i i don't like i i appreciate dolph ziggler is very is incredibly talented i i say that in jest but uh he's he is really good I, I and he probably is somebody who should be looking at AEW if he's not already yeah. because but then you know for every Cody Rhodes and John Moxley there's also a, a you know a Zack Ryder who comes in very briefly and then goes to Impact because you know oh, yeah. like not everybody's going to make it to AEW because to be honest they've got quite a big roster already and again it's what I was saying before I think they're being quite careful not to be yeah. the WWF cast off thing because also that really fucked TNA. Yeah, yeah, true. So, I mean, yeah. Um, I I think this has been really good. And I'm going to go off and watch some WCW over the weekend, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. That'll be nice. Um, is there anything else about WCW that you wanted to mention? Any other memories or anything particular that you... So many memories, Thomas. <laughs> I don't think I can contain them all in, in, in 10 podcasts. But uh, I just want to mention that Glacier's eye laser was hilarious. Uh, yep, especially when it was snowing in the arena. It was always nice. Yeah. Definitely was uh, not a Mortal Kombat ripoff, just to make that very clear. No, 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 no way. No one suggesting that. No one at all. Uh, <laughs> um, I remember Hugh Morris. It took me ages to get that pun. So yep, no, yep. That was a thing. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, there, yeah, that was, oh, yeah, the Dungeon of Doom. God, that's, a, that's something I that I remember for, fondly. Do you remember the post? Uh, so there was the, the and I guess we'll probably have to do a, po- a podcast about ECW, but that kind of post ECW's like, you know, biggest, uh, coolest kind of era once WCW restole all of those stars, I guess. Yeah. And then Mike Awesome, we got, um, uh, was, was Masato Tanaka, did he go to them? No, no, he didn't in the end. He went back to Japan. It was just Mike Awesome. Yeah, Mike Awesome. Um, because there was that whole uh, weird thing with Mike Awesome where he left them, turned up on Nitro while still the champion, and then I think like because it, it was it was the same night as the whole uh, what's the matter, Sid? Where's your scissors thing? <laughs> oh, God. So that, that whole period of time where yeah, basically WCW just stole all of the biggest stars from 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 ECW. So um, I, I mean, it, it, it worked for them previously, so I understand why they did it, but it, it didn't work. In the end. Yeah, but remember after that, every single WCW match had chairs, tables in it, and it was just like these terrible paper mache tables. And from then on in, you couldn't even sneeze without someone going through a table. It was like, oh my god, please stop! Please it's a funny stop. one. So you know, they um they introduced their hardcore division like quite a while after WWE had done it. But when uh, sorry yeah. WWF as it was at the time, um, when WWF did it, did it, they obviously had this as like a kind of reasonably serious thing for a few months and then like quickly realized that the the shelf life on that is quite short um, yeah, so it yeah. wasn't you know within within it within a year of it being introduced they've gone from like having these quite serious hardcore matches to mostly it being like a comedy thing so you'd have crash yeah. holly doing his 24 7 thing and all the rest of it and, and yeah, like I'll, 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 I'll yeah like it. they realized quite quickly that you can't do that as a serious thing but WCW didn't seem to realize, realize that it should be a comedic thing for oh, so quite a long time. Oh, so many tables. By the end of it, it was like, I just, I feel nothing. I see no. someone go through 25 tables and I feel nothing. Please stop. It's a lack Please of quality stop. control. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 You can blame a lot of different people for the downfall of WCW. Uh, Vince Russo, I think, has to take, a, take some blame. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think there's no way around that. Obviously, AOL Time Warner, the whole merger, you know, that's obviously a big factor. 
Um, I mean, and also Eric Bischoff, as much as, you know, he almost yeah. saved the company in the end and he obviously made the company as well, uh, you know, at one point. His over-reliance on aging stars and giving far too many of them creative control and obviously hampering his own ability to steer his own ship definitely had an impact on that whole thing going going sideways. I think there's, he got there's... too close to the talent, man. He started yeah. snorting the, you know, or drinking the Kool-Aid, not snorting the Kool-Aid. Yes. He was snorting it too. With, you know, he became too chummy and then you can't, you know, the inmates took over the, the, the asylum. And it's, yeah. you know, it's a weird thing, but... I think overall, I mean, there is, you know, I know there, the, 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 WCW, there's a wonderful podcast by, um, hosted by uh, Dean Ayas, who's, um, who was a big name, well, uh, a sort of fairly big name in the, um, uh, sort of in the British wrestling community during the um, FWA and uh, IPW uh, sort of heyday, uh, not long after the period around the time sort of WCW shut, but um, he does a podcast every week called Because WCW where they go back through and it's actually very good um but it did get me it did get me thinking i was like okay well yeah wcw will be remembered for a lot of terrible like even in the early days you know when they made kevin nash in the early 90s dress up as the wizard of oz you know there's a lot of robocop yes robocop um the um god they had a yeah they wanted to have a you know um they had a tag team called the Ding Dongs. They, uh, there was at one point, uh, one of the executives wanted to have a, a, a tag team who were hunchbacks so they wouldn't be able to be pinned because they couldn't pin their shoulders to the floor. Oh, I, like, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of terrible... Have you, uh, the, there's the, the WCW Chamber of Horrors from the 1991 Halloween Havoc is especially... Uh, imagine like a really craply built Hell in a Cell, but um, oh. like... Uh, Hel- a Hell in a Cell-shaped cage that's built um, to look a bit like the old blue-barred steel cages, but it was really, really rickety. Uh, <laughs> and then they had people with, like, like phantoms in coffins inside the ring, of weapons. Uh, oh. And you had to win the match by uh, putting your opponent into an electric chair and flipping a switch. Yep. Yeah. Uh, do you know yeah. Sting was in that match alongside Cactus Jack, Abdullah the Butcher, the Steiners, Vader, El Gigante? Oh Lord, El was he wearing his uh, weird uh, muscles? Oh no, this was this this predated the uh, giant Gonzalez suit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like WCW's always had stupid things, like uh, because it, uh, the the biggest problem they always have is a lack of quality control, um, and like you know too many cooks, I think, quite a lot of the time. But uh, too many cooks. Uh, sorry, sorry. Um, uh, I can't. I'm gonna get that stuck in my head now. Great. Uh, um, but yeah, so it's one of those things that I think there is also. It's very easy to remember that and forget about the fact that also it was a company that arguably put on some of the best wrestling of yeah. an entire decade in yep. in the in you know outside of Japan, like on a yep. mainstream in, in mainstream terms. It's very hard to think of WWE matching or WWF matching the kind of actual in-ring stuff that WCW was able to put together no, no way. over that decade. So I think, I hope their lasting legacy beyond just, you know, obviously be inspiring AEW to be a thing. I hope that goes on to be very successful. I hope there is also an element of that people do remember WCW for 
the amazing in ring stuff as well because yeah. the cruiserweight division, the technical stuff, the you know even in the nineties when you had Sting, you had Rick Rude, you had you know a, a young Steve Austin, you had Brian Pillman, you know there was some incredible and obviously they had their deal with New Japan, so you'd have some days yeah. you'd have you know occasionally you'd have uh, the Great Muta pop up or you'd have Jushin Liger pop up or you know like it was uh, you know Kensuke Sasaki or you'd have you know. Uh, Masahiro Chono just popping up on Nitro or popping up on Worldwide, for God's sakes. Um, yeah, it, it's just incredible some of the talent they got. The Steiners, good lord! Like bef- you know, it's easy to forget that you know before uh, Big Papa Pump was a thing. Rick and Scott Steiner were this just incredible yeah. tag team. You know, yeah, that's crazy. And um, you know, you had Mike Tenay on there, you know, yeah. taking things seriously, like you know, really explaining the wrestling side of things. It was. It was a yeah that that should be the true legacy is just how good the actual wrestling was, um, which was why I liked it. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's why I loved it. Me too, and yeah, I, I miss WCW, but yeah, we have too. AEW, and you know, hopefully, hopefully the the future is bright on that front. Exactly. Um, right, I think that's us probably done to be honest. Yeah, um, it's been, been very fun. Very much enjoyed this uh, little walk down memory lane. Um, obviously, if you want to uh, get in touch with us, uh, you can do so via our Facebook. We are facebook.com slash WrestleCube. Uh, on Instagram, at Twitter, at uh, WrestleCube. Um, yeah. Um, again, we just discovered that the functionality that we use to record this now has a video option. So you yeah. might, we might do some stuff on there uh, in the coming months uh, to do some, some stuff for Instagram. That might be quite nice um yeah um but yeah i mean get in touch if you've got any thoughts or memories of wcw or anything really that uh you know you, you want to bring up if we forgot anything that uh was really integral to wcw um and yeah um the next time uh we speak i suspect will probably be the next round of the king of cube tournament yes indeed uh, with, uh sting versus jushin thunder liger which is going to be a very interesting matchup that's a very interesting matchup, um, yeah. with a lot of a lot of um a, a huge conflict for me because sting is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers but so is jushin thunder liger yeah. <laughs> where i have his mask well, tattooed on my arm uh <laughs> so it's going to be difficult for me to put that aside (laughs) it's going to be difficult to put that aside Uh, yeah I'm going to put aside personal taste versus actual who is better uh, and see how that weighs up I don't know it's it's a toss up for me it's very very hard Um, but yeah um, so yeah um, Daniel is there anything you want to add before we we finish up no nothing um, I've been lazy because you know lockdown but at some point I will get uh, we're working on these cool like uh, digital um I guess you could call them uh, trading cards for all of the all of the guys that are in um, uh, the King of the Cubes uh, tournament. They they aren't non fungible tokens; they're literally <laughs> just images. I wish they were. Maybe maybe we should look into non fungible tokenizing. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out quite how NFTs work. I'm I'm still just, a little bit confused. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's going to be one of those things. It's going to take me a little while to get my head around how that all all that yeah. kind of goes. I also just dated this podcast, so there you go. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, if you like him, bookmark him, and I guess if you you can go back, you can see basically the stats of all, of all the different wrestlers. And, I, and I would say, and stuff. I would say, Daniel is not doing a good enough job here of, of talking up what a good job he's done. Uh, oh, these those baseball much. cards are absolutely superb. Uh, I really do. I, I I urge you to go and check them out because uh, uh, and the ones he's done so far are fantastic. So yeah. Oh, thanks, man. So when I can stop being lazy, I'll do. I'll finish them all, <laughs> and, and we'll just start pop, popping them out on the. I think anyone anyone who's listening to this knows that we are we have lives, <laughs> and also 
you know, as mentioned at the very beginning of this, no one is paying us for this. So if things yeah, no, happen no. a little bit slowly, just deal with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. deal with it, bro. Yeah. Come at me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that bombshell, uh, as as always, uh, don't be a square, be a wrestle keep. Uh, I've been Tom Mimler. And I've been Daniel Q. Thank you, Baba. Right. So long, folks. Bye.